Um, I never know how to start my podcast. I hate saying, hey guys, welcome back to my podcast because it's so corny, but I, yeah. So anyway, welcome back to my podcast. Um, today I really wanted to talk a little bit about, uh, body dysmorphia because it's something that I think really, um, raises its ugly head, especially around the holidays. Um, I don't know if it's, it's probably a combination of these things, but you know, um, like more holiday food, more treats, uh, probably seeing a lot more relatives. There's just a lot of like diet talk in general around the holidays, which is so sad because holidays are supposed to be spent with family or with friends and just being kind to yourself. But for some reason, over time, society has deemed that, you know, during the holidays, we need to talk about other people's weight um, and their appearances. So I think that this is a really important topic to talk about, again, around the holidays, but also all year round as well, um, because it does rear its head again come the summertime when we start wearing less clothes and things like that. But uh, in regards to housekeeping, there is a few things I want to touch on at the beginning. So if you're listening to this episode, chances are you struggle with body dysmorphia, um, you want to know more about it, you have a loved one or someone you care about who has body dysmorphia, um, and perhaps you're using this podcast as a way to you know, learn more about it or just as a way to feel less alone because you are not alone in having it. There's so many people who have it. Um, and, um, yeah. So under the, uh, the DSM five, um, uh, body dysmorphia or, uh, BDD is categorized as a form of, obsessive compulsive related uh, uh, disorders. Um, and they say this is for an obvious reason um, because it's, you know, body dysmorphia is a mental health condition where a person spends a lot of time worrying about flaws in their appearance or, you know, uh, perceived flaws in their appearance. Or, you know, usually these flaws are uh, like not noticeable to other people. Um, and people of any age can have BDD. Um, it's a lot more common in teenagers, um, and young adults. However, it does affect both men and women. So for a long time, usually it was classified as like a vanity type of mental illness. Um, but it, is not like it's literally a chemical imbalance in your brain. Um, and a lot of times as well, actually people categorized it as an, as an eating disorder. Um, it's not an eating disorder. Body dysmorphia is not an eating disorder. As I just mentioned under the DSM five, it is classified as, um, an obsessive compulsive related disorder because it's like a hyperfixation on something. Um, and it doesn't have to be just revolving around, you know, your weight too. Um, a lot of people struggle with it in regards to their um, hair, their skin tone, um, their skin type, uh, whether they struggle with acne or not. 
um, anything like that. And a lot of times people, um, they even struggle with things like their height and things like that. So, um, you know, body dysmorphia and body dysmorphic disorder, like it does not discriminate against people. Um, and I also think it's important to touch that like within this like perceived flaws, it doesn't make it any less, um, you, you are not just because it's these perceived flaws, it doesn't make it less real for you. That's what I'm trying to say. So, um, if you are struggling with body dysmorphia and, uh, I don't know, let's say for the sake of being easy, you're struggling with your weight, um, and you're feeling like larger than you actually are, or you think you're larger than you actually are. Um, just because to the rest of society, you may look fine, or you may look small, or you might be living in a a thinner body, it doesn't make you um, any less important in the fact that, you know, or, you know, validated is a better word in how you are showing up like with your body dysmorphia. You are still allowed to feel that way, you know? Um, you don't deserve people telling you, oh, you're thin, you're thin. Like, like if you're this, like what am I or what is this person? It's It has nothing to do with your looks. Like, and I think that that's such a, such a perceived thing when it comes to body dysmorphia is everyone just assumes that, you know, you look perfect, so you must not have any issues with body dysmorphia or anything like that. And that is, that's, that's a lot, like that's too much on you. Um, and it's important to see, you know, body dysmorphia for what it is. And that's a mental illness. Um, for the next part of this podcast, um, we can talk a little bit about like the causes of body dysmorphia. So, um, Usually, like, negative life experiences can cause body dysmorphia, um, like childhood teasing um, or neglect or abuse. And then, of course, um, there's also certain personality um, types that can, you know, not cause body dysmorphia, but can trigger it maybe, or perhaps make you more susceptible to it. So people who struggle with like perfectionism and things like that. Um, uh, what else? Um, I think that, you know, continuing on a little bit more of the housekeeping things when it comes to talking about like body dysmorphia in regards to men and women, it shows up very similarly, you know, body dysmorphia. I have seen body dysmorphia firsthand. Sorry, I've experienced it. I'm going to talk about that later, but I've seen it firsthand with, uh, with men I've dated. Um, a lot of my good friends, um, I've seen it with my own family. Like, like body dysmorphia does not discriminate against anyone. It can affect anyone literally. Um, and you know, obviously I cannot speak to body dysmorphia as, a um man because I am a a I identify as a woman but I know that so many men struggle with body dysmorphia especially in the realm of the gym and in like the fitness community um I'd love to have someone on 
to talk more about body dysmorphia with men because it's something that's growing, something that people are talking about more and more now as well. Um, but I just really overall think it's so important to just drop, and especially as you continue listening to this podcast, drop the stereotype that body dysmorphia is like like only thinking you're small and trying to get big and like always seeing yourself as skinny if you're trying to get big or always seeing yourself as as fat and you're skinny and like it's so much more than that like there it, it runs so much deeper um I have struggled with body dysmorphia since I was a child um as I've talked about before um I have a background with an eating disorder and I I believe the eating disorder streamed from the body dysmorphia. Um, and that's usually how it goes. It usually starts as something like body dysmorphia um, and it can transition into something like an eating disorder. Um, but it's even, you know, I don't know. Body dysmorphia is something I will struggle with probably my whole life. Um, and people who do struggle with body dysmorphia, they will struggle with it their whole life too. And... The way, the way I like to describe a body dysmorphia and just how it feels and almost take it into like a more like, t- to give it a metaphor, is if you are, okay, how am I going to say this? So whenever I picture like my thoughts, um, I picture like going inside my brain and I don't know if anyone has seen that Spongebob episode where he goes into his brain and like his brain is like a library and when he wants to find a thought he picks out a book so that's how I picture my brain (laughs) so I picture I picture like my brain being this huge library and whenever someone asks me something or when I see something or when I want to think something I go into my brain and I pull out that book so body dysmorphia to me and how I experience body dysmorphia. And again, it's different for everyone. But for me, it's when I look in the mirror, it's like I have to, I have this delayed response because I'm going up into my library of a brain and I'm pulling out the book on like how I view my body. And every time I open that book, it's empty. There's about 7,000 pages in this book, but every single page is empty. And then I have to wait a little bit longer. And then I close the book. And when I open the book again, there's a sticky note inside. And every time the sticky note is differently. Or is different, I should say. You know, sometimes the sticky note says, well, when you were in grade six, you know, this person called you fat. So this is how you have to view yourself. So I read that in my, in my book of how I view my body. And that is how I perceive myself in the mirror at that moment. I close the book and I go about whatever. And that's where, you know, the body dysmorphia comes from. And, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I grab that book. Um, And again, so I, I, I walk into the mirror and let's say I'm wearing an outfit to go out to the bars or something. And I see myself in this pair of jeans and it's delayed for a second. And I go up into my memory book and I find the book on how I view my body. I open it, it's all blank. I close it, I open it again, and there's another sticky note. And this time it's a sticky note that says, you know, oh, like remember that time, you know, this person uh, said those jeans looked really good on you? Yep, that's how you can feel about your body. Close the book. Oh, awesome, I feel good about my body right now. 
So that's kind of the way that I view body dysmorphia. You know, we have so much control. Usually we have so much control over our thoughts, right? We, as human beings, we seek, we seek a life that is concrete or thoughts that are concrete. We thrive in knowing things and being okay with things. That's why people are stubborn. You know, if, if, if someone's really stubborn or really, you know, set on being right in their brain, in their brain, they are correct. And that's comforting that they are correct because that means they have the right answer. People are scared of unknowns. And that's where I think body dysmorphia can come from too, right? It's like, it's like, if you can go up into your brain and that every time you look inside of that, inside of that uh, book that says how I view my body and it's blank, that's terrifying because I do not see my body the way that other people see my body. I see my body differently every single time I look in the mirror. It's almost like I have to, I have to shake my head and like really flick my eyes open and closed because my perception is so skewed. Like it's like, (laughs) it's also like walking around in like one of those like fun houses with all like the skewed mirrors. Like that's literally what living with body dysmorphia is like, you know, um, Every time you look at yourself, you see something differently and it's crazy. It's so hard. So when you have to go up into your brain and you don't, and you aren't like certain about something, that's scary. Take in your body. Take in how scary it is not knowing what you look like all of the time or not being able to trust what you look like all of the time. That's heavy. It's really heavy. And it's hard. And, you know, it goes so much deeper than just not being confident or not feeling good about your body. Because I think that, you know, obviously not to diminish some, you know, what people are feeling, but everyone feels a bit like self-conscious. Everyone has that one body part they're they're a little bit self-conscious of. But when your entire perception of yourself is skewed and you can't trust your own eyes to see the way you look like, it's hard. It's really hard. And it's lonely. Um, yeah. So now that I've kind of, you know, really, really ranted and uh, vented there, um, I think that it's also important to discuss that, you know, you can have body dysmorphia at any size. I hated my body when I competed. I hated my body before I competed. I hated my body after I competed. And I am still hating on my body now. And hate's a strong word, but I'm using it for a reason. And it's something that I'm actively working on and something I'm still actively working on. But it didn't matter how much I weighed. It didn't matter what I looked like. It didn't even matter how many medals I got. I still hated the way my body looked. And I've been doing a lot of research and a lot of reading and a lot of things to, you know, try and conceptualize exactly how I feel about my body. And one thing that I've really, really enjoyed 
like thinking about is feeling at home in my soul. And this is going to sound really, really wishy-washy, but just hear me out. Even if I don't feel at home in my body, and if I don't trust the way I look, or I don't trust myself to view myself for what I actually am, for what I look like, and, you know, I'm still struggling with a lot of health issues and things like that. And so even if I'm not feeling at home and comfortable in my body, I am comfortable in my soul and who I am as a person. I am comfortable what I give out to the world. I am comfortable in my career, in my schooling, in the way I show up as a friend, the way I show up as a daughter, the way I show up as a sister, the way I show up to the outside world. I'm comfortable and I'm confident in who I am, which is so much deeper. So I am comfortable and I am at home in my soul. And, you know, the way I coached for so long was I wanted to coach the mind and the body because I believe they came together. But as I've experienced life as I've gone on and I've learned that there really is a third one and the third one is the soul. And you can, you need to feel a connection with your mind, your body and your soul because your soul is different than your mind and your body. Your soul is so much deeper. I'm reading a book and it's called um, it's, it's called it's called The Wisdom of the Body and it's by uh, Hilary McBride. And she talks about the concept of true embodiment and how we show up in our bodies and how our soul is what leads those things. And I think that that is just such a beautiful way to show up every single day. And I have a lot of, you know, a lot of people see me as super, super confident and super out there and very sure of myself. And that's because I am. I am very confident and I am very sure of myself. But I'm not very confident and sure of my body. I'm confident and I'm sure of my soul. And not everyone can say that. Not everyone can say that they have confidence or that they're confident about their soul and with their soul. And, you know, some people can say they're confident with their bodies and not their soul. And I think that, you know, in order to be confident in your soul and who you are as a person, you need to, you need to go through life experiences. You need to grow. Um, And I know here I am saying those things and anyone who knows my age would know that I'm, 23. (laughs) But I have been through a lot of things in life that have made me age. And I'm fortunate enough that at 23, I could not be more sure of who I am and what I want. Um, And that streams me to this concept that just because I don't feel at home in my body and the way it looks, that's fine. That's going to ebb and flow. But I'm confident and I feel at home in who I am and I feel at home in my soul. So if you're listening to this and you struggle with body dysmorphia, I urge you to look more inward. And I know that's a lot easier said than done when you wake up every morning and you don't like, you know, or you don't know what you look like or what you don't, you know, you don't like what you see in the mirror. 
It's a lot easier said than done to just say, look inward. You're so much more than a body. Trust me, I've heard that before millions and millions of times since I was, Christ, since I was probably, you know, seven years old, right? Like it's so much easier said than done. But when you're able to embody what it means to be you as a person, that is so much deeper than what you look like. So much deeper than what you look like. And that's a beautiful thing. That's kind of the end of my rant for today. <laughs> um, I just kind of picked up my mic and this has been a topic on my mind for a little while because it's something that I'm struggling with more lately than I have in a while. Um, and I don't know, I feel like it's a common theme. I've heard a lot of it with my clients the last little while. Um, I had a previous client uh, reach out to me too, um, expressing that she just needed some support. And of course, I offered that to her and everything. But, you know, it always seems to re rear its head around this time of year. Um, and I hope that, you know, everything I said today can help. I'm speaking from experience and what's helped me and what is helping me get through the day um, struggling with my body. But um, as always, my DMs are always open. It's so corny. I hate how like certain things that, you know, like if you said my DMs are always open, like back in like 10 years ago, everyone would be like, what the hell does that mean? And now it's like a cheesy statement. It's crazy. Anyway, sorry, off topic. But yeah, um, I'm always here to chat. I absolutely could talk about this till the cows come home. It's something I'm so, so passionate about. Um, and, um, if anyone needs anything, if you need an open ear, you need tips, advice, anything, um, yeah, I'm one, I'm one, I'm one message away. So I hope you enjoyed and, um, the next podcast, hopefully we'll have a guest. I've got a few people in mind that I'm really excited to bring on. So yeah, anyway, thank you for listening and, uh, enjoy the rest of your day.